You're listening to episode 188 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave and joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we continue our look at the Netflix Showcase Canada co-production Travelers starring Eric McCormick and Nesta Cooper. And hasn't happened in a while, but this is take two because of an internet failure. So we're going old school. Uh, I've actually got an iPhone now that I can plug headphones into. Before I had to have my little flip phone or my actual landline when we had to do this. So this is pretty cool. Right. And I'm rocking the Motorola Droid Max since you're pimping your phone. (laughs) There you go. All right. So, uh, but... Speaking of pimping, we want to pimp you guys to send us an email. We've been getting a few here and there over the past few weeks. Yeah. Uh, e- email sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab right there on the left side. Record your own audio clip. Send us the MP3. Tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. And come on, we need person 100 Just to join more. the Facebook Just group. one more. It's so like we're in one of those PBS fundraising drives, you know, like exactly don't don't make me create a fake facebook account (laughs) just to join the group because i will do it i swear yeah you'll know when you see uh huge erection uh joins the group then you'll know that davis slid okay and and i just realized that uh, i'm turning down the headphone knob on my mixer and i'm wondering okay why is wayne's voice not getting softer (laughs) Because it's, it's you're not coming through the mixer. Coming through the mixer. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, we got a lot to talk about with this episode of Travelers, yeah, and and I, I don't know about you. This may be the strongest of the three so far. No and we've question. given the first two B pluses. Yeah, yeah. No, this one was this one was uh, my my favorite of the three we've seen so far. I thought this one was the best. Yeah, and it's episode three of season one entitled Alexander, written by Tara Armstrong, who really the only credit of note is uh, as a writer on a show called Mary Kills People, where apparently she's some sort of an ER nurse that helps people die with dignity, which, uh, as you were saying before, is and the same for me, definitely not what I thought it would be. Yeah, the concept way less interesting than the title. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a co-writer, uh, Micah Collins, who has four credits as an actress, four episodes of Defiance as well. So that's all we know her from. Nice. And, and you, you momentarily thought she was in Supernatural. Well, not she. Uh, well, uh, he, Misha Collins, plays Castiel in Supernatural. And so when I first saw the name, I was like, what? And then I saw that it was spelled differently. I'm like, ah. Uh. So, and but okay. Micah did a great job here anyway. So, yeah. And this one was again directed by Andy Makita. It aired on October 31st, 2016. So, you know, before we get into the episode, uh, you know, the title, and, and, you know, we've talked about titles over the last four and a half years that we've been podcasting together. And, and this one, Simply Alexander, which of course refers to the young boy. And uh, at, at first I started thinking about, what it actually means, but but you you have certainly a, a theory that that comes from a, a different direction than what I'm going to talk about. So why don't you hit me up with that first? Well, you know, you just hear the name Alexander, and at least to me, that is resident of Alexander the Great. You know, is probably one of the most you know uh, prominent figures in all of Western history, and then also the you know many czars of Russia. That were named Alexander and the young boy who was Russian as well. So, to me, that would seem to say that this kid is like kind of destined for greatness. When actually he was destined for death, but now that he's been saved, right? Now I I think that this kid is going to play a very prominent role in maybe even world events. You know? Well, yeah, and and you wonder, and and obviously that's a, a critical concern anytime you have time travel what do you change how much do you change and and i guess for me i i guess this young boy sort of epitomizes the struggle that that every member of the team is going to have going forward who can they save who should they save and how do you decide and and right now i, I think it was so interesting because i mean this is really philip's episode but it really impacts everybody else. And, and, you know, I mean, 
who can they save? I mean, you know, how do you decide something like that? And, and that's obviously going to be a big part of where the show goes from here, right? And that's that's a huge question because you got you got like the macro, right? You have the director telling them to do this. Don't ask questions. Do what you're told. This is all because we're aiming for this greater good of saving the world in the future. But in that, as Philip keeps pointing out, they're sacrificing the micro. There's people whose individual lives they could save, but they they don't because that's out of the bounds of their mission and therefore out of the bounds of the larger picture. Right. right? Well, well, you And with your theory about Alexander the Great, and, and is this Alexander perhaps destined for greatness, but just as easily he could be destined, you know, for some heinous crime that, that, so we just don't know. And literally be the person who brought about the end of the world. Well, right. He didn't the first time around because he was dead, but now does he, you know? Well, and, and you know, I don't remember what show we were talking about, but I know we've talked about this whole idea of the foot soldiers questioning the orders of the leader and, and you really can't have that. So, you know, how, how far is this going to go? Is McLaren going to allow it to, to stand? I mean, clearly at this point he's in charge and he's not happy with what Phillips are doing, but like we see Phillips board, which I guess is really just writing on the windows yeah. at, at their uh, HQ, but clearly he's got a lot of names up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, it calls in the question as well, like, so like the director, right? We don't know anything about the director. Even McLaren doesn't know anything about the director, right? And right. so you have this person in the future who, A, knows when you're, you're messing with history, like right away, that he can send a little kid message straight away. So, I mean, but that just brings in all kinds of stuff, right? Like, you know... Like they're changing history. You think history would be changed. And then, you know, like, but the director knows that history is being changed, but he or she is in the future. And, and, and then, it, it, you know, you question the what if the director's motives really aren't to save the world? What if the director is one who brought about the end of the world and these teams that he or she sends back are just sent back to ensure that the world history it plays out like it was supposed to i mean it's just all kinds of crazy i mean this is what i love about time travel shows right right and and, and, i mean certainly like continuum as well and here we are in episode three and and we're already asking those questions which is what makes this show so wonderful I, i guess on the one hand the tendency is always the you know save the children right and and you wonder whether that's going to be um, you know where they're headed moving forward i mean they've got an extensive list and of course we, you know when we get to it we'll we'll talk about uh, the end of this episode which which we don't know who he sees on the board but clearly it, it's somebody that causes recognition but you know as you just alluded to did they not know that they would be watched intently by the director or someone who's working for the director because it's pretty clear that every every step along the way gets reported back yeah absolutely and yeah right right I, you know that i didn't even think about that that there's someone spying on them at that time who was able to somehow you know communicate with the director in the future i, I mean it's so crazy <laughs> all of it um but you think from the, the actually from the director's vantage point in the future he or she has all of history to, you know, we just have to set, make sure I send the message back to this time. Right. Now, but, but you said spy. And I mean, I, I guess on the one hand, is it spying or is it simply monitoring? And, and then I guess my question, did you not know you were going to be monitored? Because if you did know, why did you think you would be able to get away with this? Right. Well, that's, I think Philip doesn't care. Clearly he doesn't care. Right. Right. Well, uh, and does, they know by by this episode, they know that they're being monitored because McLaren gets the Girl Scout message, right? Right. So, so they totally well, know, but Philip just yeah. doesn't, you know. But he's also not making great decisions as well, right? Right, and, and certainly that's one of the you know primary focal points of this episode. But but I think the other thing that's really great about this episode is that we continue to witness the assimilation that each of the travelers has 
not only with the fact that they're in 2016, but that they're thrust into this new relationship and they have to deal with the day-to-day details of their individual life. And and I, I think that's one of the, the really compelling aspects of this show. So, um, you know, again, just to remind anybody that's maybe just jumping in on the podcast here that, that I have seen the whole season, Wayne has not, but like anything, there's certainly details I've forgotten. Sure. But there's details right, well, I forgot. I've only seen three episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, of course, the age-old time travel dilemma, you know, as we said, can and should we try to alter the future? And Philip, I guess perhaps, not to, you know, belabor this point, but, you know, perhaps he sees this child as relatively minor, sees it as a small event. You know, what kind of impact is he really going to have? And, of course, there's that time travel theory that, uh, you know, that that these little minor events really aren't going to change things. It's that, you know, when you go and you kill Stephen Hawking or you kill Neil Armstrong or you kill some some person that, that made great contributions to society, that's when you have tremendous impact. But that ain't necessarily so. Not not right. to downplay the moon landing, but Neil Armstrong, really? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I know <laughs> I meant the Chicago Bear defensive lineman. Oh, okay. From, well, from, from the 80s. Right. right so, right, yeah. right. Now, <laughs> you know, I mean, not that there aren't memorable lines in Travelers, because there are, but, but you know, some shows just. Yeah, just... yeah. They don't come, like, they're, they're, when we were doing uh, The Librarians, it was a matter of just, all right, I'm, I have to just stop writing these down because there's just too many. And this one is more like, Okay, when one pops up, I better write it down. So, like, I mean, the scripts are good, but you're right; it doesn't have like the the zingy dialogue that you got with the librarians, right? And and that's okay. That's but, fine, sure, sure, right? But because it's not the that, librarians, right? But one that did kind of jump out at me is when when Philip and, and I wonder whether his disillusionment is caused by his addiction, or is this how he was back in whatever you know, century they're from, but, you know, I mean, or, or is it a result of coming face to face with some of the harsh realities of life related to the person whose body he inhabited, but, but he says the world doesn't want to be saved. And I'm thinking like, well, why did you sign up for this mission? Right. Right. Because I, I mean, we get the impression that, that they're volunteers, but maybe they're not. They, they might not be because Philip, because that's a good point you bring up about whether you know he has you know is starting to get like this because of of you know what has happened to him since he's jumped into Philip's body. I tend to think not. I tend to think he was probably like he moves so quickly into this. It, I mean, really, he started acting like this last episode, right? Right. So it's like him being kind of different than the rest. His being different than the rest is, I think, it seems to me, a factor of what his personality was like already before, maybe exacerbated by the addiction, by the guilt over Stephen's death. Um, but, uh, but, but honestly, I think he was kind of like that before. Yeah, and, so, and I agree with you. leads to believe, uh, say, that why would you send a guy like that back? Right. And right. right, because I think those two events that you mentioned, I mean, we, they, they can't be overstated. I mean, the, the drug addiction and then the guilt surrounding the death of a young man that he didn't really know, but he's can certainly see the impact that it's had. And, and you know, w- that was borne out in the, the scene at the funeral where, where he faces the, the grieving parents, which was just really a, you know, very emotional scene for, for, you know, him as well as the viewer. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I kind of like didn't need that scene, you know, because they, they do it all the time. It's such a trope of the, the guy who feels guilty about the death of the person watching the funeral from between the trees, you know, it's like, Come on, you know I, I get it. The the it's important for Philip's character that you know the the mother faces him and points out that you know he could have saved her son, um, but it's just such a cliche that whole thing that I was I was a little disappointed in that I have to admit. right because I think Detective Gower 
points that out to him as well. That, that so he already right. knew that, and we exactly. already knew that he knew. So we did, but, and it's just like I said, it's just reminding him and us of that. And you could have done that some other way, you know, like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like who um, goes? Like if if like everyone thinks it's your fault, a guy is dead. Why do you, would you ever go to the funeral, right? Yeah. Like if you no, want to pay your respects, you. you could go do it privately later, but you're not going to show up and confront the parents. That's just crazy no. and and insensitive and heartless right. a little bit. Right. Now, we also start to see you know, each of the characters bringing his or her own ethics to their new persona and 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 of course it it's likely to become problematic how and and how quickly is again part of what we're waiting to see but you know as we said in this episode it's mostly about philip but obviously it puts mclaren in the position of having to tell philip and the others no that that the mission comes first so obviously this is going to be interesting going down the road but then you've mentioned the director a couple of times and i think even last week and you know philip says the director doesn't know what it's like and he means here in 2016 i think he means here dealing with these people and i feel the director knows exactly what it's like that that you just apparently didn't either want to accept what it was going to be like or perhaps you weren't adequately prepared for what it was going to be like but uh, no i i believe the director knows exactly what's going on yeah absolutely no yeah no question about it right and you know he's he's he says this as he's being placed on the the table so that marcy can address that gunshot wound that he received and uh, uh she's turning out to uh you know get a lot of work as the team doctor that's for sure yeah, yeah no doubt Right. And, you know, as we said, it, it seems pretty clear that all of, you know, well, well, certainly we only see this team and, and we've seen, you know, at least the woman that's uh, inhabiting the body of a police officer. Uh, but we certainly assume that all the teams are under surveillance of some sort. So whether or not that's made clearer as we go along, you know, something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, but. All right, so opening scene, Marcy and David are on their way to the hospital per her agreement, and she insists on having an MRI once she gets there, but then she finds out that she had one right. when she had her seizure, and, and she seems relieved, and well, okay, at, at this point, we really don't know what's going on, and she just like splits from David, and, and again, we talked last week about his character, and, and I, I think most viewers that i've read you know commenting on the internet are sort of like me kind of ambivalent kind of don't like the guy i don't know what, what, well, what do you keep saying creepy shit you know like yeah, this was well, like i've been working out it's like what like dude yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. like you know it's like uh, you 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 definitely should not say something like that or not because it just dem not that it itself is bad but it demonstrates that he now with marcy he thinks about himself and his body in relation to marcy and he totally should not be doing that right no, like it's no, not okay david that you have feelings for her now that that she she's different you know it's not she's your client still she's your you know your your you're her social worker. So no, David, it's not okay that you are thinking of yourself and your body in regard, in relation to her, right? Well, right. But l let me play devil's advocate though for a second, because okay. he, he, he does throw out a guess that she's working undercover and that her mentally challenged young woman thing was merely a cover. Right. And then she of course says, well, very close. So yeah. now, now granted it's though, still he does, he, well, he does those things you accuse him of doing before she says that. So, you know, right. then that's kind of supports your, your line of reasoning, but, but regardless, exactly. he is still her social worker. So yes, we, we got to take that the for the bottom line kind of. 
Right, right. And again, you know, we, we talked about the funeral. That's one of the next things that we see and, and, and you know, why he chooses to go there. I, I mean, certainly the, the trauma is clearly affecting him, but we don't necessarily know why. Maybe he's just an overly sensitive individual, which then begs we the question. Why he would, is. Yeah. Well, well, why would the director send somebody like him That's what I'm on saying. a mission like this? That's but, what I'm saying. Right. But perhaps the devastation of the future perhaps the the apocalypse that's hit maybe he's all they have you know maybe maybe the human population has been reduced so significantly but well so here the, the during the funeral the priest says something he says like we must trust in god's plan right and i'm like well like where does that put the travelers then right well because if what what is slash was God's plan, they are. If if it was what happened before, then the the travelers are actively, you know, trying to thwart that. Well, sure. The, but then I take the next step and say, well, well, isn't that exactly what the travelers are doing? Replace God with director, and right. that's exactly what they're doing. And this director is certainly a, a godlike figure, right? Right. Sure. So, or at least a Santa like, right? <laughs> well, well, but the other thing that occurs to me about Philip, why does this affect him so deeply? Since it wasn't him that left this guy to die, it was him that left him to die. Well, no, he. I don't think he had inhabited the body yet, had he? Yeah, he came in like that guy. The one guy shot up, and then uh, Philip shot up. And or no, he didn't. He didn't shoot up because uh, Philip entered his mind right before he did, and the other guy actually watched, uh, you know, Philip as the you know as he was taken over by the the traveler. Okay, all right. So well, and then and then he he left. That he so he totally let the the dude die because he didn't call the cops. He you know he could have called the cops right then and there. We see a lot of the realities of Philip's addiction. And at first, the first time I watched it, I'm wondering why he's hiding his drugs from the others because I assumed that they knew for whatever reason he'd be inhabiting the body of a drug user. But of course, we find out that's not the case at all, that he's hiding it from everybody except, as it turns out, Marcy. But we also learn a little bit more about what Philip's role on the team is. And he's the one that provides the coordinates for the next mission. But he's got everything memorized. Yeah. Which, given now his addiction, is that going to impact his ability to remember these things? Or does well, he have you, them written down? Yeah. Well, I, I, you can see it kind of does a little bit. Like the first time, like he tries to remember, he has to kind of like rub his face, but then he like he's able to kick it out. But you can see it looks like the recall is not coming quite as quickly as he is used to it coming. She gives him some pills, which we assume are going to help him with his addiction. Of course, how that is is kind of unclear. But then she asks him to download the MRI results from the hospital, kind of implying that he's some sort of computer hacker on the team as well as the uh, the memory man. So, right. So, so we'll which see. Would, that's now, a good. You call it memory man because I'm like because I've got everyone else's role on the team pretty much figured out. But I'm like, what is Philip's role? I, I mean. Like, you know, he's not a traditional, like, you got your tech guy, your muscle, your doctor, your leader. And then it's like, he doesn't quite fill a role. He's, you know, but he's kind of maybe a science guy, but not really. But he's got like, you know, but he remembers everything that they need to know. So, you know, but I guess. No, go ahead. Yeah, continue. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, maybe that's part of why he feels things so deeply is because he does remember everything. You know, sometimes, you know, it's easier to just put something out of your head so you don't have to cope with it anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Good point. Um, And also, well, then just saying that I realized, well, a team that had come from the future, bringing not even their own bodies with them, just their own memories and personality. Well, of course you need a guy who has remembered everything you need to know from the future. Right. Yeah. Sure. Like he would certainly be with this type of operation they're running. Of course, you would need a guy like that, a you know, quote unquote historian, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, they don't have or, anything written down. Right. So. Well, because they don't, they, because they can't, all, all they, they just brought their, their consciousness is the only thing that came, right? Right, exactly, exactly. So, so now, now speaking of consciousness, we you know we had the the Girl Scout last week, and then we get another uh, messenger this week, and we learn that a couple, right? only, only, yeah, only pre and it just gets creepier and creepier. Each time. Well, it does, right? And uh, you know, I don't know what episode number it was, but if you want to hear us talk about creepy little kids, it's it was probably way back in the first year of the podcast. It was a long time ago, but yeah, that's I think that's when we had uh, Danielle was on with us. Oh, okay. And we, um, uh, we we talked about top ten creepy things, and kids okay. were like number two, I think. Okay, well, it might have been well, number we, one. Well, we find out that only prepubescent brains are malleable enough to receive messages without damage. So now we've got two ways that apparently they can send consciousness from the future, and, and uh, again, whether there will be any other manners that they do this i guess we'll see but yeah, i really just want to know like what are the mechanics of that you know well yeah maybe we'll find out but but we find out about protocol three which is basically don't interfere and right. the, the little kid tells them the mission's off and then philip of course suggests saving the guy who's slated to die and then provide the new host body that's now unneeded. And, and of course, then they get into an, a team argument about what they can and what they should change. And then finally, McLaren has to jump in. That's enough, Philip. You know better. But he's clearly disturbed about what his host has already done. And, and again, I just maybe we'll find out, you know, at this point where we've only heard about the future and and, you know, we don't necessarily know when they're from. I mean, at one point they, they say welcome to the 21st century, which implies that they're from some other century. So right. well, did, did, are they from the 22nd? They've already told us already they're from the future, uh, right? Well, yeah, but but how far in the future? 22nd? Oh, right. I got gotcha. you. 23rd? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, well, beyond the 21st, you're right. Yeah. Now, obviously we see a lot of Philip and, and his ability or or – inability to cope with what he's faced with mclaren's got another kind of adaptation that he has to to deal with and that's a new wife and, yeah. and his new life and, and having the tie tie it, it, you know what and that's another thing that i didn't really pick up the first time because she says you know you've been wearing that same tie for three days and you realize it's because he doesn't know how to tie one <laughs> right <laughs> he's like I, when, when i first started dating my wife all her brothers were still in in uh catholic high school and they just you, you, on the closet rack all their ties would just be hanging up there still tied then just you know <laughs> sl- slip them over their head they'd trade you know whichever you know i wore that one yesterday you wear you know that sort of thing but but that's what it is you know yeah. and, and then of course he mentions eating vegan so again what's the deal in the future either there are no animals or they don't use them or their byproducts for food. So, right. you know, that's that's really fascinating what's going on there. And you mentioned last week about the the horses in Continuum. So right. uh, hopefully we'll find out at some it, point. I mean, I guess it's... Yeah, it's just like a, it's, it's like a thing, right? Like, it's kind of like what, you know, like part of like Continuum is, you know, like people jokingly said, uh, whenever people from the future would get excited about um, everyday things... Or actually, that was, uh, um, oh, I don't know, it's one of the shows we were doing. Uh, but, you know, like, you know, we're everyday objects, people from the future get excited about, and like, oh, isn't this unique? Uh, the whole Batman thing in Continuum, remember that and everything? So, oh, yeah. Um, so there's, you know, like this with, with meat, you know, because like Trevor gets that hamburger later and he's just like relishing it. And it's like a big deal that he's eating meat, right? So apparently, like you said, they don't either they don't have animals, or they don't use them for for food, right? And you wonder how big a challenge this is even going to be because well, even before the hamburger, which was actually it's God, it even looked good to me. It's been so long since I've had a fast food burger, but but in the school cafeteria, he re- remarks how good the corn is to that nerd girl right. that he's chosen right, to corn. sit next right, to. Right, right. And and I know that 
I, I don't know if I've ever seen you buy a school lunch, but you know, like in the past, I'd buy one every once in a while. And I'm yeah. telling you, there's nothing worse than the corn. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, and I love corn. And, and yeah. so for him to just think this is the, you know, have you tasted this? <laughs> you yeah. mean corn? <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, look, at it. obviously, because yeah, it's like the corn, like probably no one even eats the corn at all. Right. Right. But, but as a challenge, you know, not only to the, uh, the new eating habits, but I mean, I mean, again, is this going to tip off somebody to who he is? But again, we've talked about it before. What are you going to? If he says, "Well, I'm a time traveler from the future," all right, fine. You don't want to tell us that's the yeah, right, you know. exactly right. Yeah, no one's going to go there, right? No one's going to say, "Oh, your brain's been taken over some some dude in the future." Clearly, right, right. right. But while he's sitting next to that girl, you know, it, look as as. Good looking as his girlfriend is, we we really learn what she's really like in, in this episode and, and shoves that girl on the floor. But we also really learn a lot about Trevor because, you know, he really does. You know, we talk about Philip tonight and, you know, his moral dilemmas and, and Trevor clearly is an ethical guy. And, and he basically tells his girlfriend, yeah, you, you are not nice. Right. But apparently Trevor wasn't like that before, though. No, right. And, and, and again, that's going to be a big challenge for these people because now at least he can probably use his concussion to a certain extent that that's why I'm acting differently. But what is, but again, in, in the long run, he doesn't have to explain anything. He's acting differently. He's changed. What actually, the, what's the, what is really going on is beyond comprehension for those people. So there's, there's no way they would ever think like you're weird or you're not you or something like that. They'll just think he's changed and he's maybe I don't like him anymore. Maybe I don't want to hang out with him anymore, but you know, like there, no one's going to take the step of thinking he's a completely different person. Right. Well, I mean, I guess you could argue that having some sort of an epiphany is what led to his change, but sure. Um, but well, you know, I also th- think that Trevor seems like he is a lot older than you know the, the or the the traveler that has inhabited trevor is a lot older than the than the high school kid yes absolutely and 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 again that's what's so easy to forget that we don't know how old any of them are right yeah like philip they all look really young but they could be 80 years old sure in reality you know in in their future whatever Right. By the way, now, what happens to their bodies then, right? Well, yeah, we, we don't know. That, yeah, exactly. Are they like hooked up to some sort of like matrix-like device in the future? And Yeah, I really uh, want to know. So, all right. Well, somebody else that really wants to know is Carly's baby daddy, who, who's uh, <laughs> uh, his coworker. And, and we learn that he's actually, you know, local law enforcement. He's not some kind of rent-a-cop. He's an actual... Uh, you know, police right. officer, and his friend gives him the footage of Marcy transforming. You know, the night that she traveled, when she kicks the asses of those guys that were assaulting her coworker, and we see him. I think he's he's sitting in a squad car, and he's researching personality changes because he's thinking about Carly and and how she's changed. So, is he going to make some sort of a connection between these two? Which then begs the question, did this partner, I don't know if it's actually his partner, but certainly a coworker. I mean, why did he give it to him? Is it just like, you know, their version of, hey, here's a really cool YouTube video you'd yeah, like? Yeah, that's, I think, it's like, because like, he has no idea about any connection with Carly and Marcy, right? No, you mean, well, who, the... the I don't know if we know his name. I, I guess she's used it, but I don't remember what it is. Well, Well, the other, talking about partners... When McLaren is in the yeah. FBI office and he goes right. on his computer and he can't log in. Right. Do you yeah. know my password at school? I I do not. <laughs> and I don't know yours either. Right. I thought that was probably <laughs> an unusual type thing. It's certainly security would, like personal, like workplace security is not being upheld here when you, you're you handing out your password to other people, right? Oh, I guess. All right. Well, we'll, no, we'll you know what my it. intern does know my password. So, well, 
but that's yeah. almost understandable. But then if I'm justifying that, then I guess I could justify I don't know. Well, anyway. Yeah, anyway. All right. So we find out Protocol 5, for instance, which is in lieu of not knowing what to do, you wait for orders from the future, resume your host's life. So conceivably, you could spend your whole years life. and years, yeah. right, or your whole life. So, yeah. so you know, now granted, they've only been there for, I would assume, a matter of days at this point. But you know, the the, the conversation we see between Marcy and Philip, and and there seems to be kind of a little bond forming between those two, and and perhaps it's related to her trying to help him medically through his addiction. But it's also because she realizes he's kind of wavering from the job that he was sent to do. And, you know, she points out that they knew going in what the deal would be, which then goes against what I was saying earlier. And they can't change what they're not supposed to change because it could have negative unintended consequences and of, right. and of course the whole idea of unintended consequences can be anything putting in a new rule or or a new you know regulation or whatever it is sure so but he certainly doesn't seem satisfied with her answer so <laughs> you know but i also liked her her little uh directive towards him that you know you need to take a low dose otherwise i'll know you want to and I right. won't have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, and then that's kind of uh, that's kind of about the same time we see. And I keep calling it a crime board. I don't know what the it's really a death board. I, I, I guess, didn't know actually. what to call it either. You know, because he it's not even the board because he writes on the windows, right? But it's right. yeah. What would be in a police station like the you know a whiteboard up there where you you put up. I don't know. It's like where the bad guy always draws up his plans, I guess, or something. Right. Well, we go back to Castle. Castle always had the best one. Right, right. But but regardless, there seem to be hundreds of names, dates, and times, and, and probably even coordinates. But then we're introduced to Jennifer Spence, who who is, as we've said a couple of times, we, we know from Continuum. And you were you and I were talking about this the other day. Is she a counselor, which is what I thought, but then as you point out, she assigns detention, which our counselors don't do, nope. but either way, she's got a big ass office. Got a big office with comfy couches. It just seems off. Well, that's why at first I thought she was a guidance counselor because she's got these like comfy couches and everything it's supposed to make kids comfortable. But then she gives them detention. And I'm like, well, wait a second. It's like almost wrong to give some detention when they're sitting on a comfy couch. You know, right. it just doesn't now- make sense. It doesn't jive. Now, if she was in our building, she'd have to get rid of her couches. Exactly. Can't have this cloth. Can't have cloth. No. Well, she's probably got leather. (laughs) But she's meeting with Trev and the girlfriend over the shoving incident because that girl's phone got broken and Trevor offers to pay for it. And immediately, uh, both women, you know, the the girlfriend and Jennifer Spence kind of look a little puzzled, like, Like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) And and then, of course, she's like, well, that's nice. I think she'd appreciate that, but still. And then I I can't remember uh, Philip's lawyer. What the heck is it? I I can't remember his name. Yeah, Ray. Ray. And so he gives him another tip on the horse and then tells him to give some of the money to Stephen's family and Detective Gower's family. And uh, I mean, I, I, I understand, you know, you clarified it over Stephen, you know, about why he feels responsibility, but I, I don't know. It, it's, it just seems, I mean, it, I don't know. I mean, if you went to your door, opened it up to go get the mail and found an envelope with a couple thousand dollars in it, I, I don't know what I would do to be yeah, honest. Yeah, right. That's a tough call, right? I mean, I'd probably look around. Yeah, there's definitely a camera around here somewhere, right? Then Marcy and David, uh, you know, Carly's boyfriend cop comes to see David looking for Marcy, who obviously he he has seen in the video. And as it turns out, she's just hiding in the next room. But uh, he shows David the photos and asks about personality changes. So so now we're wondering, okay, well, how far is he going to go? Um, does he sus- does he suspect a link between these two women? And and I guess we'd have to say at this point he he must right. 
Yeah. I mean, why would he come to see unless I guess you could argue, well, maybe just for information to know what he would be dealing with, with Carly. I don't know. We'll, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he tries to threaten David kind of, uh, lightly, you know, pointing out that as her social worker, it's inappropriate for her to be staying with him, which of course David knows, but uh, he does it anyway, and then uh, when she finally comes out, we'll keep it a secret, she tells him. Like, okay. <laughs> this guy seems to be going down a path he does not want to go down, but right. I don't like him, so I don't care. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely an unquestionably bad guy, so right? Right. Now, again, we've been talking about Philip all night. He lies to the team. I mean, right? He flat yeah. out lies. Flat out about that they have a new mission, which is to save a young boy who's been kidnapped, which, of course, turns out to be Alexander. All this time, you know, in in parallel, McLaren and his partner have been tracking what they believe to be a terrorist cell, which obviously turns out to be them. And, you know, the next thing you know, we got the abductors are in this farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. McLaren and Carly question the couple. Boy, we talk about creepy. Those two could make our list for sure. Yeah. Well, I like how they let the chickens come and go. That's that's nice. And <laughs> so while they're questioning the couple, Philip and Marcy sneak into the basement where they immediately find human remains yeah. buried in the oh. dirt floor, which is also inhabited by the chickens. So right. again, nice touch. Sure. Finally, the 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 man says, "Okay, fine. You want to." talk to uh you know i don't know if he calls him my son or what but he goes and gets patrick calls him patrick and how cool was that when mclaren questions him in russian yeah that was pretty sweet yeah right but of course everything goes south the boys use to deliver a message that they're off mission and to abort and the couple gets shot philip gets shot and then mclaren tells the boy to lie and, yeah. you know, we're, again, I talked about David going down a path. Now, really, I mean, this this whole incident is, is going south in a hurry. So, you know, just tell him I was the only one here when the shooting took place. And, and I guess the kid's probably so terrified that, that he'll do that. And they've got terrified no reason. Terrified slash grateful, though, too. I mean, he, he has to realize right. that he was just saved from a horrible fate. Right, because he, he must know that there were other kids either with him or before him. And, or and, and again, though, these people kidnapped him and are holding him against his will and are creepy as shit. So, you know, right. Right. So, right. I mean, and, like he would realize that this guy just saved me. So yeah, I can, you know, tell a couple lies for, for this guy. Right. And, and, you know, I was going to say that the FBI would have no reason to disbelieve McLaren's story but things are beginning to unravel because his partner comes in and tells him, okay, I got an address for, you know, where, where the computer IP connection uh, that we've been tracking. And, and it turns out it's the garage where the team has its base of operations. You know, they see Phillips board and realize what's just happened with Alexander. So now they're kind of at odds over certainly what Phillips done and, and it, turns out at this point is when we learn that it's only Marcy that knows about Philip's addiction and you know she says I plan to wean him off it but still Philip makes a point about trying to save some people or is McLaren right when he tells him it's not up to them I mean I'm going with the idea that soldiers follow orders and we do what we're told to do and that's it yeah, at, at this point, just not knowing about the future, but the future must be a pre. I mean, like, let's look at I mean, their minds were sent from the future to the past to inhabit the bodies of other people. Yeah, you got to have a little faith in the people that have the ability to do that, you know? Well, right. And, and you know, we don't yet know how grim it is in the future, but I think we have an idea. It, it's pretty darn grim. It seems like it's pretty grim. Yeah. And whether it's Skynet grim, I'm guessing it is. And now, whether it was caused by the machines, we don't know. But but you know that that dark and and that horrendous and horrific of a situation. So, I, I again, I, I looks like this is going to be a, a continuing struggle at least for a while, at least until they they rein Philip in and and whether they get him off the drugs and that 
that changes his approach will be interesting to watch. But yeah. you know, we get to the closing scene, and and you already mentioned Trevor coming in with the burger, and as he says, "I'm embracing the 21st century," which then you know led to my point about. Are they from the 22nd, 23rd, 24th? You know, how far into the future are they? It appears, and what I love about this closing scene is that despite everything we've seen, it's just like two guys sharing a burger, hanging out. But of course, Trevor notices the board and the names, and then boom, last thing we see is the recognition he has yeah. for one of the names and obviously that's what we're going to see in in episode four or at least that's what uh, we would think i don't know it's not obvious mr i've already seen it but you know um but yeah that's you know i know that person really it's like wow um which i kind of you expect to happen the minute he started walking up to the board you know right it just there's so like it's just so much so, there's just so like i mean this is one why i love good time travel you know dramas because there's just so the the possibilities of what can go on and what's going on and the implications of everything you do are just endless you know but certainly this this idea of faith that we saw in the beginning with the priest at the funeral it really resonates throughout the whole episode and probably throughout the, the the series as we go on because they, you know, do they have this faith in the director where they just do as the director says, or do they go Phillips way and try to save people here and now as the future is in irrevocably messed up. And so let's just try and save as many people as we can here and now. You know? Right. But either way, there's somebody playing God, like you it, said. Absolutely. Right, right. Yes, yes, right. Right. So whether it's the director or or them circumventing the director's order and playing God themselves. So yeah, that that's, yeah. Well, anything else you want to throw out there? You, you said you got some notes there. Did you uh, get well, to yeah. them all? So the, the one thing also, which McLaren points out to Philip, and which Philip really hasn't been thinking about, he says, the FBI found you in one day, one day, because you think you know better. Right. So you know, he's yeah, kind of pointing well, out like, you know, this hubris thing you got going is not cool. Right. It's going to we're in a very precarious position here. We all of us are are strangers to this place. You're going to get us pinched, man. Yeah, you know? that's a good point. I forgot about that. That was a, a, a pretty telling line that that they are going to have to rethink how they approach things or they're going to get caught and I don't know what they would be charged with, but well, it's just like, you know, Philip is just going with such a free hand. Like I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. Like I, I admire his, his convictions, but you know, the way he's going about it, this cavalier style lying to his team, uh, sending false reports to the FBI, you know, it's just, he's, and he's going about it like a junkie, right? Because he's not yeah. thinking it through. He's just going with impulse. And again, like how how much of that is, um, you know, a, a a product of of the addiction that he inherited? I don't know. I mean, again, fascinating going forward because he is a, he's a fascinating character, and and he almost more than the others because of his relationship with Ray. And, you know, giving him the tips and, and Ray at this point, not really caring how he knows, just happy that he's winning his bets. You know, eventually that's got to stop, you would think. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, because so. like, that's a very dangerous link to, to you know, who they really are. Like, you know, Ray is definitely not going to make it out of this season. I mean, haven't right. they seen eleven twenty two sixty three? Come on, I guess you, you they win have. too many bets, you get beaten up. Right? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, um, yeah, right. That that's a very limited uh, mode of uh, making money. Though, of course, if you know the people of of this show like gambling a little bit better than uh, Stephen King did, I guess maybe they'll be more successful at uh, earning their livelihood by betting. Lottery tickets next. Right. Right. But then you get your picture on the paper, right? Holding up the big uh, check. So, yeah. Good point. 
Yeah. Oh well. All right. Anything else? Um, I think that is about it. All right. Except for well, the, the great line, you keep your gun, your diaper bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and hopefully we'll get to see more of Marcy. And, and you know, that, I hope they do that. You know, next week we get to see, you know, more inside, uh, you know, one of the other characters. Because Marcy, again, is, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Carly is just fascinating with what she's going through, That where she's clearly the weapons expert or so it would seem or she's at least in charge of getting the weapons and and parceling them out yet as you said she has to keep one in her diaper bag so yeah. all right well it's been a lot of fun i'm going flat out a on this one yep i gave it a solid a okay i, I have to be so. like at first i had a minus down but uh after talking about it i realized it, it was a solid a i liked it yeah so all right. Well, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We'd love to hear from you with follow-ups about any of the Librarians episodes, which, of course, we'll be getting back to uh, at the end of the year. The three Travelers episodes we've talked about, anything else you think we should be watching, I'd like to encourage you to join the Facebook group. And if you're already a member, spread the words. Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails via the SpeakPipe tab. And we will be back next week to discuss Season 1, Episode 4 of Travelers, titled Hall. But until then, so you know, tomorrow's Friday. So the you know, next time we're at work after that will be Monday, of course. Let's shoot guns. <laughs> <laughs>